welcome to Design Talks, a new podcast brought to you by the Higgs System, the international mechanism for registering designs at the World Intellectual Property Organization. I'm Sarah, your host. In our previous episode, we looked at what industrial designs are and how they influence our daily lives. We also highlighted the importance of protecting designs. Today, we are diving deeper into the world of international design protection and taking an even closer look at international design application and protection. Joining us for this exploration is our guest, Mr. Jonah Asher, coordinator of the Hague InfoLine Unit at the World Intellectual Property Organization. Hello, Jonah. We are very happy to have you here. Could you introduce yourself and explain your role in the Hague Registry? Thank you very much, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here today. It's really nice to be, uh, I guess, the first guest I'm honored. Um, as uh, you mentioned, uh, yes, my name is Jonah, and I have been working in the Hague Registry for about uh, seven years now. And my work primarily is with the Hague InfoLine Unit. Now, you may be wondering, what is the Hague InfoLine Unit? Well, let's say you want to use the Hague system. You want to find out a little bit about it, but you're not sure about some of the legal procedures. You're not sure how to fill out your application form. You need some help. You have some questions. Well, we have a lot of information available on our website, but of course, we have real people there to help you if you have any questions along the way. Not only when you start or prepare for your application, but also when you are on your journey to receiving your uh, international design registration. So if you want to know the status, if you want to renew your registration, anything like that, we can help you. So the Hague InfoLine unit is really all about customer service. It's about helping uh, users of the Hague system make the most of it and be successful. Wow, you mentioned seven years within the Hague Registry. What do you like most about your job at the Hague Registry? Yeah, the years go by very fast, uh, and that's a good sign because I do love my job here. The most interesting thing, I think, is the variety and the designs and the people that we are helping. I, I really think one of the most interesting aspects of IP actually is designs. These are the things that we touch and use uh, every day. Think about it, if you want to buy something, you want to buy a piece of clothing or a bag or you're looking at a new car, a lot of those things I would argue that really touches us and makes us want to buy something beyond the technical features is how it looks. And that's all about designs. And they go so far, a lot farther than you may think. You know, when you're having your coffee at a cafe with your, you know, with a coffee cup, that could be a protected designs. All kinds of things that you might never know. I'm, a lot of us probably have traveled uh, recently, and maybe you have ever stayed at some of these kind of Airbnb places or these places where you, you know, it's not a hotel, but you uh, rent somebody's apartment. And how do you get in? Well, a lot of times you might see that there is a lock and you have a code. This is actually something that is protected with designs, and actually even there's a company that has protected it with the Hague system. And this has allowed them to expand beyond their local market. Designs really are everywhere. They're all around us. They're helping people uh, from SMEs to individual designers to the big companies, of course, be successful internationally. And that's the, my favorite thing about this job 
is helping those people achieve success. You know, a lot of people may not know that WIPO is a specialized agency of the United Nations. Uh, we're one of the, I think it's like 17 or 18 specialized agencies. And, you know, United Nations goals are also WIPO goals. And that's another thing that I really hold close to my heart and that I know I'm working here and I'm working towards achieving those uh, goals. You know, for example, you see a lot uh, of the SDGs, like SDG 13, about climate action. We have WIPO Green for that. We have SDG 4, which is about quality education. And in that, we have the Accessible Books Consortium, which is really cool. It helps uh, people get more access to books uh, at, like those written in Braille. And then we have, of course, uh, SDG 9, which is a big one. It's about innovation, infrastructure. Uh, we have things like the technology information support centers that provide on the ground IP information and support to inventors. And also something that's really cool, the Inventor Assistance Program, which matches developing country inventors with patent attorneys who can provide free patenting legal advice. So this is one thing I also really hold dear, and one thing I love about working here is that we're not only just about helping people get their design rights, but we're also about helping people achieve socioeconomic development all around the world. Thank you, Jonah. That's very interesting. And you mentioned diarities. How many designs are being protected every year? Well, thanks very much. Um, yeah, if you want to look internationally, those who are using what I think was discussed previously uh, in the previous episode about you know, the direct route, which is also known as the Paris route, I mean, there are millions of designs throughout the world that are being protected every year, millions and millions. In terms of Hague system registrations, so for 2022, we had around 8,000 international applications. That's a 19% increase over the previous year. Now, not all international reg applications are actually registered. There might be a problem with them. So among those 8,000, we had 7,700 registrations, approximately. That was a 26% increase over 2021. Within those 7,700 registrations, there were over 32,000 designs that were registered. That's a big number. And we expect this to grow uh, in 2023. We don't have our statistics out yet. It's not the end of the year as we are recording this, but we expect it to increase about by 8% in terms of both uh, applications and registrations. Now, really, the Hague system offers people an opportunity to protect their designs very broadly throughout the world. So not only in terms of the geographical scope, but what they are protecting. So we have things uh, protected under the Hague system from car accessories to fashion items, even wind turbines, for example. I think probably one of the things we use the most every day, I, I, would, I would guess, it's probably our phones. And, you know, the phone that you're holding, the, your cell phone, your mobile phone, I'm, I'm, I think I'm uh, letting my age through a little bit there when I say cell phone, but your, your mobile phone, you know, the shape of it, the designs are protected. The graphical user interface inside is protected. Companies like Samsung and Apple protect these designs. You make your coffee in the morning, you know, you use your coffee maker. Maybe it's from Philips or other big companies. These are protected. Some of the coolest sports cars, you know, maybe if you're a fan of sports cars like Ferrari, these are designs that are protected. Even, I don't know, Sarah, if you've seen at some restaurants recently, they have these robots that will come around and pick up your dishes and, 
and put them away and you know deliver your food things like these also protected to the Hague system you have drones airplanes even rockets so it's so diverse it is really amazing uh, what you can protect and where you can protect it thank you Jonah that's very interesting so let's start with the very basics who can use the Hague system yeah sure thanks um, so there are basically three kind of scenarios in which you could use the Hague system so if you are a national of a member of the Hague system, this includes places like uh, international uh, bodies like the European Union or the African International Intellectual Property Organization. So if you are a national of any of these countries, you can use the Hague system. You can also use the Hague system if you have a residence uh, or domicile in one of these countries. So maybe you are not a national of a member country, but you uh, have a residence in one, so then you could use it. Uh, the other uh, avenue is if you have a, it's kind of the official term, it's a little bit long, you know, you have a real and effective industrial or commercial establishment. Basically, this means, do you have a company, maybe a subsidiary, are you selling some products or something in a member? In that case, then you could also use the Hague system. So, Basically, if you are a national of a contracting party or if you have a domicile or habitual residence or if they have a real and effective industrial or commercial establishment in a contracting party, can use the Hague system. But what exactly is a contracting party? That's a good question. And actually, that's the kind of question we get a lot uh, at the Hague Infoline unit when people are thinking about using the Hague system. So we have to refer to contracting parties because uh, a contracting party is not just a country. It, in most cases, it is. It's a country. But in other cases, it's an intergovernmental body, like the European Union or the African Intellectual Property Organization or Benelux. So these can also be uh, members of the Hague system. So this is why we call them contracting parties. You know, recently we had a uh, new contract party join this year, which is Brazil. Uh, it's, you know, uh, a great uh, expansion of the Hague system in South America. And, you know, we've really been experiencing significant and rapid growth um, of the Hague system. Over the past 10 years, the Hague system has grown in terms of contracting parties. So the number of contracting parties, we've grown by over 30%. Now, maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, 10 years, only 30%? Isn't that too long? <laughs> well, I mean, it actually is really fast because when you think about it, if a country wants to join or an intergovernmental uh, body wants to join, they have to, you know, modify their laws, perhaps. They have to change a lot of, of their procedures to come in line with the Hague system. It's not a quick process by nature. So the fact that we have increased by 30% in the past 10 years uh, is really amazing, and we look forward to continued growth like this in the next 10 years. In fact, uh, in the next year or two, uh, we hope to have India and Saudi Arabia also join the Hague system. Thank you, Jonah. Now that we know who can use the Hague system, let's look at how much it costs. Sure. So, there are a number of fees for the Hague system. I'm not going to go through all of the fees because you can find a list on our website. We have a standard application fee, 
Uh, it's uh, under 400 Swiss francs. And then we have other fees, you know, depending on the number of words and your description and other things. But overall, it is a very cost-effective system to protect your designs internationally. I, I think we saw that in the last podcast. We went over this a bit. On average, I would say you can expect, let's, if you don't have, you know, a huge amount of designs and reproductions, let's say you have one or two designs, maybe around 10 reproductions, depending on your designations, you can expect to save probably about 15%. There's a big financial advantage to using the Hague system, though, not just on the fees, because um, if your entitlement, if you have an entitlement, this is going back to the contracting party, so if you have an entitlement um, within a least developed country, all of the fees are reduced to only 10% of the prescribed amounts. So this makes it a very accessible system for those from least developed countries to use and to access international markets to sell their products overseas compared to using you know, direct routes where there are likely not such discounts. But in addition to this as well, uh, many times if you want to use the direct route, like the Paris route, you would need to have a lawyer in the country that you are designating. So you want to designate country A, well, you need to get a local representative, uh, a lawyer, and you need to pay them a bunch of money, and you have to go through them to file your application. The great thing about the Hague system is that you don't need that at the time of filing. Anybody can file. You don't have to be a lawyer. You can be sitting on a beach, drinking a coffee, or other, or a cold drink, probably better to drink a cold drink, uh, and use the Hague system. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are, uh, and it saves you a lot of money not needing to use a local representative. So it's a very cost-effective system overall. This actually reminds us of the, one of the three E's we discussed in episode one. Easy, efficient, and economical, right? So, how does it work? How can one file an application? You have a few routes to file. Now, the one way you could do is you could download our paper form, you could fill it out all by hand, and you could send it to us. We highly recommend you do not do that because there's a lot of disadvantages. You won't have access to things online, you won't be able to view your status, everything will be slower. We really recommend you don't do that. Another option, depending on the country, most of the contracting parties allow this, is if you want to file indirectly. That means if you want to file through your office. But again, this can increase the cost. Uh, usually, contracting parties charge a fee for indirect filing. Uh, also, it increases the costs on our side because if we receive papers, you know, there's additional fees. So instead of doing these ways of filing, the best way is to file online through eHague. So this is what is known as our digital gateway to international design protection. And it allows you to secure and manage your design rights simultaneously in multiple countries, quickly, easily, and through a secure and intuitive interface. So all you need to use eHague, you need to go to WIPO's website, uh, you click, if you go into the menu, you click on Protect and Manage and select eHague under Industrial Design Protection. And then you log, go through the process. You need to make an account with us. So we call it a WIPO account. So if you don't already have one, you need to do that. It's a quick, you know, less than five minutes. And then you can go ahead and make your application. After you 
file your application and submit it to us. We have a very uh, strong team of dedicated examiners that will go through and view your application. And then if there are, if there's any problems with your application, uh, they'll send you an no email notification and you can follow up directly with the examiner. Uh, just one point about the filing languages. Uh, so the official languages of the Hague system are English, French, and Spanish. Um, make sure that you choose the correct one uh, when you file because all of the communication that you'll receive subsequently will be in that filing language. Thank you, Jonah, for these very interesting details. After filing an application, Jonah, what happened next? Uh, sure. So I, I briefly mentioned that uh, just a second, but after you file your application, uh, it will be uh, submitted to uh, our team of examiners. And one thing I want to point out that I forgot to mention before is the great thing about filing with eHague is that you won't be able to make any mistakes that would cause a, an irregularity to be issued that would delay the application date. So if you filed by paper, for example, and you forgot to indicate a creator of the design, if that is required by one of the contracting parties you designated, you would get an irregularity letter from the examiner, and then the application date would not be the date that you fixed the irregularity. But if you use eHague, it's impossible to do that. The examiner will take a look at the formality, the formality examination of it. It's not substantive. We're not looking at is your design you know, unique? Is there no other design like that? That is under the purview of the individual contracting parties. We're basically making sure, you know, did you, you know, uh, cross all your T's, dot all your I's, everything's okay. If you designated uh, country A and country A requires a description, did you include that? Uh, so if you use eHAG, you'll make sure that you won't, you know, have any of those really, uh, irregularities that would make your filing date later. And then the examiner will check, make sure everything's okay. If they need information from you, they will send you an email. You can follow up with them. And then once your application is registered, it will be published in the International Designs Bulletin. This is our weekly publication where all of the Hague system registrations are published. Uh, and then you will receive, of course, a registration certificate. And then your registration will have five years of protection. And then uh, after the five years are up, you can decide whether you'd like to renew it or not. Of course, you know, there are a lot more details uh, in this process that I don't want to go too in-depth on right now. Uh, you can take a look uh, on our website to find out every step. And of course, you can contact the Hague InfoLine unit if you have a question. Thank you, Jonah. Is there anything more you'd like to tell our listeners? Well, I think that we learned from the last podcast how it is, important it is to protect your designs. You know, not, not just, you know, we're talking about the Hague system, but just designs. You know, protecting your designs can bring you a return on investment, more opportunities for things like licensing, make you uh, and your company more competitive. So it's really um, an important aspect of intellectual property. And then when you're ready to take your designs abroad, take a look at the Hague system. It can be one of the uh, most, you know, easiest, economical, uh, and uh, what was the third efficient. E again? Efficient, that's right, efficient. Uh, efficient uh, ways to protect your design internationally. So I would just urge you to take a look. And also for those of you who might be listening from uh, least developed country, 
uh, it can really benefit you if you are thinking about uh, releasing your product abroad, you're thinking about you know, using IP, uh, and you have a great design. You know, applicants in these countries can really enjoy a very, very, very cheap, uh, cost-effective way to use the Hague system and to, you know, increase uh, their chances of success abroad. Thanks so much, Jonah, for joining us today. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to Design Talks, a production of the World Intellectual Property Organization brought to you with the support of the Funds in Trust Japan Industrial Property Global. I hope that today's episode has helped you understand more about how the Hague system works and how to file an international application. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes where we will be interviewing designers and sharing their inspiring stories. In the meantime, continue to let your creativity flow. Remember the wise words of the writer and poet Maya Angelou. You can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. (laughs) 